Good morning, listeners, and welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. Later on in the programme, I will be talking to Pat Carl from the IFA in South Tipperary, and I will also be talking to John Keane, the president of Bacra Naferma, and my final guest this morning will be Baden Powell, uh, who is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary. My first guest this morning is James Milan from Chagas. Good morning, James. Good morning, Jim. Now, James, what are we going to be talking about? So, Jim, I suppose today's topic is really um, getting calf sheds ready for the spring. And I suppose really why we look at getting calf sheds ready for the spring at this stage of the year is that it's a kind of it's a quiet time on dairy farms when things are winding down. But also, I suppose that if there's any work to be done in terms of ordering concrete or anything like that on the farm, you know, that um, places close for Christmas and I know a lot of the concrete companies will close on the 22nd of December and they probably won't open again until the 3rd of January. And, you know, at that point in, you're probably only two, two and a half weeks out from calving. So, you know, maybe maybe three weeks in some farms, but, you know, there will be cows calving in, in, in mid-January. And I think once cows are calving, any, you know, work on extra um, caches that are required kind of comes to the stop. So I think now is the time to get those last minute jobs actually done. And, um, you know, and just look at, you know, the, the reasons for having extra caches available in case there's a, you know, in, in case we need them, you know, why would why why would we need them on the farm and things like that as well, you know? Yeah. And why would somebody need an extra calf, calf facilities, we'd say, uh, to house calves on their farm, James? So, Jim, you're looking at um, just, I suppose, most herds, dairy farms in, you know, the spring milk farms, mm-hmm. the six-week calving rates at the moment are up at 90%. And, you know, look, a lot of farms will sell calves, you know, somewhere between three and four weeks of age, you know, the dairy bull calves and the beef calves. And just for 100 cows calving mm-hmm. at 90% in six weeks, you know, their peak number of calves that they could have potentially on the farm, you know, is 72 calves. And that's roughly 123 metres squared per calf. So just to convert that back into kind of sheds in layman terms, that's a four bay shed by 20 foot deep pens would be required to, to house those 72 calves. Now, you know, for instance, when we had weather like the bees from the east a few years back, mm-hmm. you know, or if there was um, periods where, you know, ships couldn't travel, our remark couldn't take place because of a storm, different things of like that. You know, calves may have to be kept for maybe a week or two weeks extra on farms, or there could be a disease outbreak and you may not be able to sell the calves as a result. And, you know, just by keeping those calves for two weeks of age longer, you're actually upping the, the amount, um, you know, from 123 metres squared up to 153 metres squared, which is 30 metres squared extra. So we're going from instead of a four instead of a four bay shade by 20 foot deep we're now looking at an almost six bay shade by 20 foot deep so five and a half bays by 20 foot so we need two extra pins for those calves so that's only there are a few reasons why you might need them and you know we don't know going forward with legislation if exports come under pressure we may need extra extra room on our on our on our farms anyway so i suppose you know it's no harm to have that bit of extra space for calves and where they could also where those extra pens could come into um, use down the line is you know towards the end of the calving period you you may have a, a shed that you converted for temporary calf pens mm-hmm. they could be used maybe from the end of march to april 
they'll you know they'll have no disease burden on them because they weren't using the pest. So that could be an advantage as well then for rearing those later born calves on the farm on a gym. Right now, that's looking after the calves. The cow, of course, is very important as well. And getting your calving pens ready and the loose area where you have cows held until they're ready to calf, they need to be ready as well, don't they? Yeah, Jim, so I suppose having, you know, enough of calving pens for, mm. for cows. And a lot of people are gone for um, using, you know, communal pens or group group calving pens at this stage. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, you know, they're... What, what those farmers will, will, will always tell you is that the cows seem to be more settled in them because they're within a group and they're not in individual pens on it. I suppose maybe just a couple of things maybe to especially to look at or to have in those in those areas is maybe, you know, in, if a cow calves in the middle of the night and you have to transport that calf to another shed, you know, out, away from there, there's a lot of work involved. So what some farmers will do is they'll have a calf pen set up within the group pen area itself that you can actually segregate the calves from the cows, mm-hmm. you know, in a safe manner and, and keep the calves in that pen during the night where they're going to be safe. You know, they'll have fresh bedding, obviously, as well, and they'll have got their colostrum before they're moved into that pen. But it just saves you the bother of having to go moving from one shed to another in the middle of the night. And it's a small thing just to have it. And I would also say as well, you know, have an area where you have a, you've got your calving gate um, set up you know, that's, that again, it's easy to corral a cow in in case you need to handle the cow as well for us. And I suppose even going back to the calf pens, you know, we're not talking about building any sheds at this stage of the year either. You know, you're really looking at converting maybe a lean-to that was used for machinery into, you know, a calf, a, a calf pen area. And I suppose just the main things, look at the floor slope. That it's a you know ideally a one in twenty four slope. So if you need to, to pour on your floor, make sure you get have that slope on it. Mm-hmm. And again, just make sure it's free from drafts. And like if that involves just using big square bales of straw or round bales of straw for blocking drafts, so be it. You know, but again, just make sure they're free from drafts. You've got a good slope on the floor. You know, and even a lot of people will use sheep hurdles, gym as well. Yeah. for kitting outdoor sheds and they can be easily removed and you can use it at a later period for storing machines or fertilizer or whatever you're using it for as well. And how then important, of course, when we're looking at everything, uh, anybody now with uh, any kind of a large herd, uh, they now have uh, cameras that they can view the cow no matter where they are in the world as it so happens but to make sure that these are all working isn't that very important as well yeah so again you know there's no point ringing um you know your your it guy that mm. if there's a problem with your your calving camera on the you know the second week in february because they're all going to be very busy at that stage on us so now is the time to you know make sure you've got good connections with the internet um, you know that if if there's a problem with the camera, if there's condensation after building up, for instance, on the lens of it over the, the summer period when it wasn't in use, you know things like that that need to be rectified, or you may need to install a new a new camera. They have come down in price a lot, Jim, on it, and I think what a lot of people are doing instead of replacing them or instead of fixing them, they just replace them with a new camera on it. But it's important that they're working, and you know, and that makes the farmer's life easier then in the spring because he's not in and out watching cows and disturbing cows you know, um, during the calving process on it. And, you know, you'll tend to get that bit more sleep as well as a result of it. 
And, you know, I suppose we've, we're talking about the cows and the calves, but we also need to look after the humans as well and all of this as well. And, you know, the calf and cameras are a great aid for that. But I suppose also even the amount of milk, Jim, that farmers are moving mm-hmm. to calves, you know, and if we mentioned there a figure of 72 calves at peak, if you're keeping selling all the calves at four weeks of age. Well, you know, if you're to consider the amount of milk that those calves could drink, you're moving the, the equivalent of around three and a half, 3,500 litres of milk per week to feed that number of calves. And that doesn't sound that heavy, but if we call it 3.5 tonnes, it sounds worse. Mm-hmm. So like it's a lot of milk. So maybe, you know, farmers need to look at options of, you know, moving the milk from the dairy down to the cash sheds in a more labour efficient, safe way as well. You know, using like some milk carts, you know, whether yeah. they're, they're push carts or, or ones that are towed behind a quad or a farm vehicle, or, you know, even maybe installing automated calf feeders and or mixing milk, milk replacer, milk, mix milk powder in situ in the cash shed itself. So like all of those things need to be looked at and put in place now at this stage of the year, um, you know, then then later on in the calving season itself. Safety of the farmer then, himself or herself? So Jim, yeah, again, you're looking at, you know, like especially with group um, calving of cows, yeah. that's probably the one, probably I think main disadvantage, I think from group calving and that instead of having one cow, to deal with when you're picking up a calf or when you're when you're collecting a calf out of a pen, you could have a group of seven or eight cows, you know, that you know, have that morning instinct yeah. and they want to protect the calf and you know, it, it it can be quite dangerous. And I suppose the one recommendation we'd always say is to have a calving gate between you and a cow, especially, you know, on the likes of a suckler farm. Yeah. But that's also important on a dairy farm. And that becomes more difficult in the group pen area. So I suppose we just have to be more careful you know, around cows at calving, make sure there's no dogs going in and out mm-hmm. into the calving area while you're collecting these calves and having an escape route as well, Jim, planned as well before you're going to take these calves out. And also look at, you know, Chagas have guidelines on how to correctly lift the calf. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. also to make, not alone is it to make the calf more comfortable when you're carrying them, but also, you know, you're that you're watching, that you're bending your knees, you're keeping your back straight, you know, or you're using a calf barrow, things like that to move animals around. So we we have to be conscious of all those things as well. Jim, on it is is, you know, the, yeah. both the farmer, the calf, and the cow, they all need to be looked after at that time of the year. On it, of course. Now I know you have the national dairy uh, conference taking place shortly, so you need, you want to say a few words about that, James? Yeah, Jim. So the dairy conference is taking place again this year, as always, and. Um, you know, it's taking place over two days. So Tuesday the 6th of December, it'll be in Rochestown Park um, Hotel in Cork. And on Thursday the 8th of December, you know, anyone that wants to, to travel outside or travel further further to it, they can go on, they can go to Mullingar Park Hotel. So mm-hmm. that's on Thursday the 8th. And, you know, the, the, the title of this year is Turning Challenges into Opportunities. Just for anyone that wants to book into it, they can log into www.chagas.ie forward slash dairycon22. So that's www.chagas.ie forward slash dairycon22. Okay, well, look at James. Thanks as always for joining us. May I wish you a, a very happy Christmas? I probably won't be talking to you before Christmas. So that listener. M- many hep- and many happy returns to you, Jim, uh, and all your listeners uh, as well. That, that listener was James Milan from Chagas.
as I said at the beginning of the program, that I would be talking to the two chairpersons of the IFA in Tipperary, one in uh, North Tipperary and the other in South Tipperary. And uh, with me now, I have Pat Carl, who is the chairperson in South Tipperary. Good morning, Pat, and thanks for joining us. And I believe you're suffering a bit of a cold, so we'll put up with the croaky voice. No problem. Good morning, Jim. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll struggle our way through. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you will, Pat. Now, <laughs> uh, Pat, your AGM is on Monday the 12th. Isn't that correct? That's correct, Jim. Yeah. Monday the 12th of December in Hotel Manila in Clamel at 8pm. And uh, our guest speaker is Tim Cullinan, IFA president. Uh, this is Tim's first opportunity to come to South Tipperary, I suppose, oh, unfortunately for him, when he, when he not long after coming in and between COVID and wanting another, didn't didn't probably get around to executives as easily. So this this is an opportunity there for the the president to come back to to home county, and um, also gives an opportunity for all the, the members in Tipperary that that supported him at that time, uh, an opportunity to meet him on the night of the AGM. Right, that's that's important as well. And have you uh, elections at this AGM? We have, we have. Uh, well, sure, everybody is up for a renewal per se. Yeah. But our environment chair has finished. Uh, Peter Farrell has finished his six years on the environment chair. So yeah, that 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 position is up. And there's also a vice chair, treasurer, and a PRO as well. So, so the, 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 those positions are also uh, open at this moment in time. And then what do you foresee as being, I suppose, uh, the most likely issues that uh, your members would be questioning uh, the president on? Yeah, well, I suppose if we were to take it as, as we, we, we've mostly, we've all the branches done at this stage now, we've brought some of the branches together and, and, and had good good turnouts at them. And I suppose it varied in different areas. Uh, I suppose the big one this year was input costs been a huge increase in input costs and and in certain sectors the output price didn't increase enough to match that um i suppose that that is probably the, the big one other other issues that have popped up there uh while we're out in branches was the environmental issue the emissions and and nitrates and the changes coming down the road and i suppose there's, there's an appetite out there for more information on that and and to get a better understanding and Everybody wants to know how it affects them on each individual farm. And I suppose the other one then is rural crime has, has popped up again uh, this back in and, and, and is a concern, a huge concern out there in, in, in areas. So there are, I suppose, some of the main topics and main issues that, that are out on the ground at the moment. OK, you're in office, Pat, now for roughly a year. What would you put down as being the highlight of the year? I suppose, uh, Jim, I suppose there have been many highlights and many different, uh, there have been so many different angles. I suppose it's such a busy role and, and you're covering so many different sectors. But I suppose this time 12 months ago, in December, when I came into the position after taking over from, from Mary O'Keefe, uh, I suppose at that time, input costs were starting to rise and there was concerns about the price of fertilizer for the spring. But I suppose like anything... Little did we know what was coming down the line in the month of February when, when Russia invaded Ukraine and, and the effects that had all across Europe and how it affected us here. Um, like there were concerns about fuel and, and, and fertiliser and I suppose it, it completely changed the mindset of, of how we function in such a, a free trading world. Um, 
I would say that probably that is, is probably one of the, the, the biggest highlights of the year and the effects of it. And we're still seeing it. We see the effect that it's had on inflation, on economies around the world. And um, and I suppose it brought back into uh, focus the importance of food and food security and for something maybe that was taken for granted. And I suppose what we'd also find even out and about at the moment is, is a lot of farmers and you're, you're facing into a new cap beginning in the 1st of January 2023 and 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 the farm to fork and green deal that has been uh, put together by the eu over a number of years and i suppose it, it it looks like it's outdated now when you see where the world is at this point in time after the ukraine war and and some farmers are scratching their heads and wondering like when are they going to catch up here and 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 realize uh the importance of food security and 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 the the, the effects that that would have um while while there's different parts of the world at the moment, uh, the likes of the Horn of Africa and areas like that mm-hmm. that are in starvation. Uh so like I mean who'd ever think like I mean in twelve months like that such changes and huge changes worldwide in such a short space of time. Do you think so, Pat, that you mentioned uh, you know, CAP uh, and the changes to uh, the CAP? Do you think that some of your members would be a little bit nervous as to how this is going to work out? Yeah, I, I would say they're concerned, definitely. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, you take a very productive county like Tipperary, mm-hmm. where where you have a lot of production, you have a lot of jobs, you have, you have agriculture as the backbone of the economy, and and you're of a cap payment now that's reducing. And for those vulnerable sectors, we can see it from the last cap, and it's going to happen now with the upcoming cap, that that those vulnerable sectors. That that uh, they're under pressure and coming under more pressure, and we'll say some of the there, there's huge issues around the environmental schemes like the acres and that, and um, income income is going to be a problem uh, on some of those vulnerable farms going forward. Like, and even though they were quite productive farms, it goes back to to original cap payment. It was a subsidy to produce cheap food, and now that payment is reducing and 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 is. Uh, getting smaller and smaller, well, it's going to have an effect on food production. There's no other way of looking at it. So really what you're saying is that in spite of everything that happened, input costs have gone up considerably. And in some areas then, shall we say, the price that the farmer is getting for his produce when he has to go to market with it, whether that's beef, milk, sheep, meat, grain, or whatever the case may be, the inputs are outstripping what he's going to get for it at the end of the day, and that's putting him under pressure. And if the capital stay the way it was back, we'd say not necessarily the cycle we're in now, but maybe the cycle we were in 12 years ago, that farmer would be better off. Yeah, look, de- definitely. I um, I, I saw figures lately uh, mm-hmm. presented where, where they're saying our input prices are up by 38% in, in the 12-month period. That's overall, as, as we call our agflation. But like if you look at the different sectors, like it varies, cattle are only up 24.5%. So there's a 13% lag there. So that extra income like has to come someplace. But even if you look at potatoes, potatoes are actually minus 2.7% on what they're getting now as against 12 months ago. But like their cost will be greatly higher than 38% because the cost of storing potatoes uh, and the cost of cold storage is absolutely huge. And like, I mean, okay, you look at milk and it's up 51%. Uh, mm-hmm. Sheep are only up 5%. So like, I mean, within individual sectors, 
there there's no protection there for those individual sectors then like if losses mount or, or or if it doesn't pay production is going to drop and I, I i think it's going to be you're going to see huge changes over the next few years like this cap is going to have a huge effect on production and and, and most schemes within cap be it in pillar one or pillar two is aiming as a, a production reduction exercise so like i mean it has to tally up we've uh, we, we've never told we've eight billion people in the world but we're, we're, we're within europe we're on the road to reducing production and that that just doesn't add up so um i i think it's you're going to see changes uh going ahead uh, uh down the road that the, the, the two will have to realign again right okay uh i suppose before i let you go would you be ever so kind as to remind uh the listener but in particular your own members uh, about your agm on the 12th of december yeah, definitely, Jim. Uh, the, the South Tipperary Executive AGM is on the 12th of December in the Hotel Manella at 8pm. And our guest speaker is Tim Cullen, the IFA president. And I would appeal to as many members as possible to come out. Um, our, our Tipperary president will be there on the night. So it's a great opportunity. And, and we may not get an opportunity again uh, in the too distant future. So I would appeal to as many members as possible to come out on the night. Okay, well, look at Pat. Thanks very much for joining us. That listeners was Pat Carl, who is the chairperson of the IFA in South Tipperary, talking about the AGM, which is coming up, as he said, on the Monday the 12th, and also giving us, I suppose, a little insight into some of the things that happened during his first year as a chairman. Listeners, uh, my next guest this morning is John Keane, and John is the president of MACRA. And since we last spoke, uh, MACRA have rebranded themselves. They didn't get rid of their name. We were talking the last day about uh, the launch, but now it has happened. Now, also this week, I caught up with John because he's out with MACRA in Brussels doing what Uh, they normally do in Brussels and that is uh, fighting for the rights of young farmers, uh, new people coming into agriculture. So John and I are going to catch up on some of the comings and goings of MACRA at the moment. Good morning John and thanks very much for joining us. Good morning and good morning to all your listeners Jim. Pleasure to be here as always. Okay, and it's a pleasure to have you on. Now, I said that we were going to talk about the comings and goings of MACRA. What's the big issue for MACRA at the moment, John? Um, thanks very much, Jim. I suppose there's a, a number of issues that are, are, are really facing us at the minute. I think if, the, if this week is anything to go by, and I'm sure your listeners will be up to speed on what's happening, um, the, the Food Vision Beef and, and Sheep Group mm-hmm. uh, launched a a report or submitted their final report to the Minister for Agriculture on uh, on Wednesday of this week and contained within that is a, a number of recommendations around uh, diversification and around reduction really of our of our sucker herd and of our of our beef sector and from a, a young person's point of view it's uh, it's uh, it's not good to see that those are the policy positions that our our department are pursuing because uh, We've been very vocal on it in terms of the dairy food vision group and indeed the beef and sheep food vision group that uh, its opportunity needs to be created to, to get young people into the sector and not essentially uh, land sterilisation and, and reducing the land that's going to be available to, to productive farmers into the future, which is uh, 
much, which is some of the measures within the report. You know, one of the one of the measures speaks to um, a farmer who who may wish to exit receiving a, a payment, um, but essentially that land uh, can no longer carry breeding ruminants uh, for the period of the scheme, whether that be five years or ten years. So, uh, no suckler cows and no 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 yos. Um, and, and it remains to be seen whether beef heifers can be can be raised on that enterprise or not. So, I mean, that's uh, a very concerning policy position or, or somewhere to prefer, pursue for the Department of Agriculture. And uh, Mokra has, has staunch, staunchly oppo- opposed that for, for since the outset. OK. If, and di- this is done, of course, for environmental reasons more than anything else. So, and a lot of young people, not necessarily your members... Uh, would feel that this is something that should be done. What's the Makra answer to that? Yeah, and, and we, we've we've seen that from from many sides as well, mm-hmm. Jim. To be honest, that the young people are driving change and wanting change, and, and I have to echo that our members are no different in wanting that. Um, for those who feel that this is a, a necessary part to achieve uh, carbon mm-hmm. objectives, uh, the reality of it is that uh, the demand across the globe is growing for meat and beef consumption. Uh, it's going to be filled somewhere. Uh, if we look to South America, uh, Brazil alone is planning to increase its uh, its population of bovines over the next 10 years by 10%. It mightn't sound like a whole lot, but uh, that's 23 million head of cattle. Uh, in Ireland, our, our cattle herd, the entirety of the herd is about 7.1 million. In 1973, when we joined the European Union, uh, our cattle herd was in the region of 7 million as well. Um So what we want and what we need as young farmers is we need production of food, which is what we're doing. We need that in the most efficient uh, areas of the world for for producing it in the the most carbon efficient manner. And when you compare us in an Irish context to any of our players across the globe, we can see that we're we're among the global leaders in it. We're we're in the region of about 15 kilos of of carbon emitted per kilo of beef produced and compare that to Brazil, they're, they're over 75 kilos. So... Um, we feel that uh, we need to take a global approach to food production and ensure that food is produced in the most efficient manner to reduce uh, emissions from food production because it's it's something which we as farmers are, and young farmers are very passionate about. Okay, very good answer. Uh, can I come to what other issues uh, are out there then, John? Yes, yeah, so as you've as you've rightly said, Jim, we're we're over in Brussels at the moment. Uh, this week, we're, we're spending three days in, in Brussels, um, and over the course of those three days, we'll have met uh, Commissioner Mairead McGuinness. We'll have met um, many of our Irish MEPs in Colin Markey and in Sean Kelly and Deirdre Clune uh, and in Maria Walsh and, and many others as well. And the issues amongst our members, our, our county chair people are out with, with myself and some of the MOCRA team members this week, and the issues that we'll be raising with them are ranging from the the carbon farming framework plan, which is, has been launched on Wednesday as well from the EU, which speaks about a new carbon a carbon farming framework for, for farmers uh, over the next number of years to be developed at European level. Um, we're also uh, speaking with, with Commissioner McGuinness, McGuinness around inflation and the impact that that's having on uh, young people across uh, the EU and, and across Ireland in terms of the cost of fuel, the cost of travel, the cost of access to education, the cost of access to finance, um, and it's proving to be a challenge for many young people living in uh, in rural areas and in rural communities. And uh, another topic that we've discussed is um, access to housing for young people and, and the ability to afford 
to build houses and to buy houses for 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 young people it's uh, it's a big challenge for many of our members not just farming members but our rural youth members that they find themselves uh, in a couple and both employed in full-time employment uh, often in time working in pensionable jobs and they find themselves uh, unable to attain a mortgage which is able to afford to buy a house because uh, their combined income in terms of meeting a mortgage uh, when it when it's looked at by the banks it's just not attainable for them and they don't meet the stress test so these are all huge challenges that our, our members are facing from a a farming point of view, but also from a, a rural living point of view and from a, a rural youth point of view. Right, and you bring up rural youth, and of course a lot of your members nowadays would be u- rural youth. Uh, there were young people that would be uh, living in our towns or in our big, bigger villages that joined Makra for, I suppose, the reasons why Makra was set up to uh, train young people to be leaders in their own community. Absolutely, and, and uh, you're, as you rightly said, at the Ploughing Match Gym, we had our, our, our relaunch of our, of our brand and of our logo, and uh, the key objectives of Stephen Cullinan, our founder back in 1944, were around educating the youth. Um, it was around creating a social, uh, a social outlet and a social network for young people in, in rural Ireland, uh, and it was also about advocacy for the issues that were affecting farmers at that time was, was the big focus, and uh, 77, 78 odd years later, we find ourselves pay- playing a pivotal role in, in educating young people through our um, our Skillnet program, which is, has grown from year to year since 2015. We find ourselves hugely involved in personal development from a young person's point of view. We have, uh, be that through our public speaking competitions, be that through our uh, competitions in sports, we have uh, many competitions in sports, or be that our competitions through our performing arts, where People stand up on stages and, and debate and partake in tag rugby and soccer and GA every weekend of the country, every weekend of the year across uh, our branch network. And as we're, we're currently doing with our 27, 28 odd county chairs uh, this week, we're, we're out in Brussels um, at the very heart of, uh, of, the, of the European Union, uh, advocating on behalf of young people in Ireland to, to make sure that their voices are heard and that they, that they have an influence and a say on the policy that's. Uh, that's decided at a European level. So from a, a small organisation on the western fringe of Europe, we have a, a massive impact not just on, on national policy, not just on the development of our uh, youth in rural Ireland, but also on the, the development of policy at an EU level that has a, a bearing on, on not just young people today, but, but young people of the future as well. And John, how then are you being received in Brussels, not necessarily by our own MEPs and uh, our own members of uh, the Commission, but how are you being received by the other nationalities that make up part of what is the European Union? I think, Jim, uh, it, 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 we're very fortunate to find to be of the, the nationality that we are because it... Mm-hmm. it, it uh, it opened doors for us by the very fact that we're from uh, that we're from Ireland, that we're Irish, and that we come with an open mindset in in general. That seems to be the perception across any members or delegates that I meet across from different member states. And Mocker are very fortunate to be involved in uh, the European uh, Union, the, the the European body for young farmers across across Europe, commonly known as CJA. Our our past president Thomas Duffy is the current vice president of CJA. Um, CJA has over 2 million members across 23 or 4 different member states uh, representing young farmers across all of those. And I have to say, through 
our engagement with our counterparts in Fiji and through the opportunities and the doors that Fiji opens to uh, members of the, the Agri Council, to members of the Parliament in the EU, to, to, to members of the Commission as well. Uh, every month we're meeting people from uh, DG Agri, which is in the, the Commission over here in Brussels. We're meeting members from the Parliament uh, and we're, we're often getting interactions with members of the Cabinet of, of Commissioners as well as Councils as well. And I have to say the reception for young people in general, not just for Irish young people, but for, for young people in general is hugely, hugely positive because uh, the common thing that they all come back with and say to us is that uh, young people are focused on solutions. They're focused on uh, embracing the challenges and finding ways to work around them that are feasible, that are doable and that are, are, are going to be funded. So I think when you come into any room with solutions or alternatives to what's being proposed, uh, people are very receptive of your ideas. They may not may not agree with them and they may not come from the same place, but I think anybody who comes forward with solutions is uh, is at least proactive and, and has to be respected for that. Okay, well, look, John, I'm going to have to leave it there. I want to thank you ever so much once again for joining us here on radio. And I wish you the best of luck uh, with the rest of your deliberations, uh, meeting all those people that I suppose shape all our lives uh, over in Brussels. Uh, and may it be a very productive uh, three or four days for Makra and for young people across Europe. Listeners, my final guest this morning is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary. And as I mentioned at the top of the programme that I would be talking to both the chairs, and I've already had my chat with Pat Carl. Both of them have AGMs coming up starting the week of the 12th of December. The AGM in North Tipperary is on the 14th, and... As you all know, the chairperson is Baden Pohl, and Baden is joining us now. Good morning, Baden, and thanks very much for joining us this morning. Good morning, Jim. Now, Baden, I suppose, first thing we'll get out of the way anyway is uh, the AGM. That's happening on Wednesday the 14th. Uh, where is it taking place? It's taking place in the Abbey Court Hotel in Nina at 8pm, and... <clears throat> Uh, the guest speaker is our president, Tim Kilnan, which I think he's also doing South Tip. But it's a great chance to get our national president and um, we'll be able to hear everything firsthand because he's a very busy man and he has a lot of information. I presume it won't, it will be the same as any other AGM, really. You also give out lifetime awards. I presume there'll be somebody uh, receiving an award on the night. There is, there's, I, I won't name him now, but there is an, an honorary license given out on the night. And we, and we have we have, a, we have election of officers also. And have you officers retiring at the moment? Have officers retiring with we have, we have all the positions filled. I think we have an election for one post. Right. Uh, that'll make the night interesting. Equally, I'll leave names out of that as well for now, yeah. Jim. Oh, no, no, um, it's okay, yeah. And I suppose uh, since I've been talking to you, Jim, uh, we had a very special night uh, down in Adair and uh, it, it made the news on the Nina Guardian all right, but just I'd like to say what a what an honour it was to put forward Parik Morn for the Paddy Fitzgerald Award in, in Limerick. Um, it was a pure pleasure to do the piece on him and um, a remarkable man and all he has done and achieved and his family. 
uh, I just wanted to mention that when I, when I was on the air. Yeah, he's a man I must talk to now in the not-too-distant future. We'll have a chat about all the things he's doing since he uh, vacated the chairs many years ago. But as you quite rightly said, he definitely is an extraordinary man. Now, you went in as the uh, chair in North Tipperary at the last AGM. What has the past year been like? I suppose I was slightly different in a lot of... I went in very green, Jim, uh, and it's been a huge learning curve. Um, I found it extremely busy. It comes in, um, you, you know, batches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can, you can be run off your feet. And when I am talking, I suppose I just want to... Something that's been building up in the last few weeks is... I want to mention it's very relevant to the North Rary farmers, is the, there's a new greenway coming to North Tipperary, which is a very exciting, and it will be a great benefit uh, for tourism for everything but I'm sure it's um, it's terrifying for some of the farmers where it might be going but it's it's from Ballina to Drummondir. Uh it will be a fantastic uh, attraction when it gets done but I'd like all the farmers um, members of IFA or not to really get on board now and get involved in, in, in the consultation process and um, we there was one on Wednesday in the Abbey Court, an open day. Mm-hmm. But there's one more next Wednesday in the Lakeside Hotel in Ballina. And it, it's the opening meeting just to start getting your, you know, looking at the route selection. And um, I, I, I just think it's very important. I, I just know from listening to other farmers around the country where there's greenways to get in early. Especially if you were a dairy farmer, if you had a, a, a grazing platform, um, I mean, I'm sure you'd be terrified to think that there's a greenway coming. But now is the time to get in and uh, may have your say. And if, if it all ended up that it was going through your land, mm-hmm. you, would, you would possibly be pushing for an underpass or an overpass. You'd have no options, you know. But get in early and, and, and have your say. That's all I'd be saying. And talking about that now, you're the first person that mentioned it on this program. Uh, have you any idea of roughly what the what the route that they are proposing for it at the moment? No, I don't. But they have three, uh, and I'd imagine they'll be keeping towards the lake. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But they will also. I, I spoke uh, to Gillian Flynn on the council, and. Um, it's all open to them at the moment. So the more the farmers go in and say, look, this is where I really don't want you to go. And this is the problems that are here. And, you know, it, it can, it can determine it's the worst thing that can happen is say, I don't want these guys in. I'm saying no, and I'm not going to let anyone come in in my land. I'm not going to, because then when they make up their mind, it's too late for you to go and say, look, any chance you could just shove it down to the bottom of there and I've no problem with you then. Or if you go this way, I have to have an underpass or an overpass. Uh, look, I, I've I've done I've gone on the Waterford one a good few times for recreational purposes, and I it's it's a huge success for 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 everyone. But just it can be scaremongering for the farmer at the initial stages. That's all, Jim. Right, and uh, also to, uh, it would be beneficial, you mentioned from a tourism point of view, also from a health point of view, it's beneficial to the residents of both Ballina, Nina and wherever else uh, 
that can have easy access to it as they have in Waterford. And, uh, you know, and the Waterford one is fantastic. There's no doubt at all about it. But as you quite rightly said, now is the time for farmers to get involved. And uh, once involved, they will at least have fed into the consultation process, which is very important. And also, of course, then it opens opportunities for maybe some outside the farm gate projects. Huge opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, you can. it mightn't be for every farmer, but there could be a farmer's son or daughter who wants to, you know, put one of these mobile horse boxes with coffee on the way. It might be someone who wants to hire bikes. Mm-hmm. When you see what goes on down in Waterford, an industry yeah. has built up around the Greenway. Yeah, and I think it's going to draw an awful lot of tourists into 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 In, North Tipperary. Into North Tipperary. Uh, I think for accommodation, everything is going to be. Yeah. Um, and, and you were talking there about accommodation, but sure, it'd be lovely if somebody put up a, a, a glamping as accommodation somewhere along the route. You know, there there, there, there are wonderful opportunities. Other matters now that, of course, of great importance at the moment, and I do know uh, that uh, the IFA had great success. There were people trying to not have the live crib in the mansion house. I believe there has been some success. Oh, there is. I've um, yeah, I've just been talking to him, uh, our president Tim Cullinan, and he he was outside the mansion house. And it was a special win for him and for our CAO, Damien MacDonald, because they fought that on just very simple grounds that there's no animals being abused. Uh, the, the The man who comes in from Wicklow takes them home every evening. They get to sleep in on a nice straw bed and they come back in early in the morning before the traffic and they're there. And uh, it's just brilliant for the children of um, of Dublin and uh, who, who might never get a chance to see a farm animal. And it changes their mindset into a positive, you know, for, mm-hmm. for, for um, the farm animals. And it got a great caption on the Irish Independent this week, a, a lovely photo. So um, it's great to see. It's been a busy year, Jim, as you said. And, yeah. and uh, one of the things was we, we did things slightly different this year. We, we grouped some of the AGMs and we had some very good speakers down. And... Um, they went off a success, a great success in the majority of cases. Um, there was a couple of branches uh, held firm to doing their own, and I went to visit some of them. And there's possibly one or two other strong branches will go back to running their own again and keep their own social uh, around mm-hmm. the branch. Uh, but the, the, the grouping of some and to bring down better quality speakers worked very well as well with some great nights in Turles. Uh, Nina, Bursa Kane and Ross Gray, uh, all, they were all diff- very different nights because the speakers were different. Um, but um, that, that yeah, was... The, um, the, the, the debate and the question, ta- the question times were excellent at, at, at the mall and that's the main thing. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, before... Really, yeah? It really got the, the members. There was members who, mm-hmm. you know, it got them re-engaged. You could see... Yeah. You know when a meeting is going well, and and um, you know it, 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 it went very well, and uh, they got you know some of the people give out some valuable um, information. It's been just been launched this week. Also, is the IFA solar option for um, rooftops and farms? Now that's just it's just literally been launched this week. 
So I'd be saying to farmers if they were thinking about it, I'd be more concerned with, say, dairy farmers, maybe who are use, someone who's using a lot of electricity because at the moment you can't put it back into the grid. So you'd be, you know, you'd be cutting down on your own usage, you know, dairy farmers. And all, the, no, not, the other thing is if you put up a rooftop on your own house, and you have a smart meter, you can let it go back into the grid. But when you're going, say, 20 or 30 kilowatts and maybe more on a, on a, on a dairy roof, you're not allowed at the moment to put it back into... Uh, but the IFA have, have a full package from installation and they will link in with Port Gosh. I would, I would seriously consider it because there's a lot of headaches if you yeah. go and try and do it on your own, you know, but definitely look at the IFA option if you're thinking about it. Okay, bad. Now we're running out of time. Will you just once again mention the date and the time of your AGM? Yeah, the, the executive, um, Northrop executive AGM is Wednesday, 14th of December, Abbey Court Hotel, 8 p.m. And our guest speaker is our national president, Tim Cullinan. Okay, well, for this morning, thanks very much, Baden. That listener's was Baden Pole, who is the chairperson of the IFA in North Tipperary. That listener's is AgriReport for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me at the same time next week. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock, and after that, Eamon Dewire presents Down Your Way.